Hey, what's up, Mighty Men in the Making? This is John Elmore, and unfortunately, we uh, were not able to capture the audio when I taught Summit last week, and so you're going to get this from me just preaching to the air in my office, but I want you guys to know how proud I am of each one of you. Uh, I know that you guys are faithful in your discipleship as you come together on Thursday nights to seek the Lord, His Word, the counsel of many, as you worship, and as you spend time with one of my heroes here at Watermark, and really for my whole life, and who I often say I want to be when I grow up, Jim Wimberly. So I am jealous of the time that you guys get together on Thursday nights. That's when my community group meets. Otherwise, I'd probably just come over tonight and sit there with you and we'd go through Psalm 103 and be encouraged together as Romans 1:12 says I long to see you that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So let me pray and we will jump into Psalm 103. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for rescuing us from sin and death in this life and in the next. And we thank you for Jesus who died for our sins, rose from the dead, and sent the Holy Spirit that has sealed each one of us so that we can be adopted as your sons, so that we can call upon you and say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And we can recall all of your benefits, who you are and what your benefits are to us as sons of yours in Christ. Lord, thank you for the mighty men in the making and Thursday nights as they gather together to worship you and sharpen one another in truth and with love. Uh, guide their time tonight. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. Well, uh, I was sitting on a date night. It was uh, probably two Sundays ago. I was sitting with Laura, and we were at this uh, really nice southwestern restaurant where they kind of serve, you know, specifically southwestern food, sitting down uh, in this little booth. And um, just to remove any confusion, that Southwestern restaurant is called Chili's. We split a meal, and we went big. We not only split a meal, we also ordered chips and salsa. That's one of our favorite things to do while my mom watched the kids. And as we're sitting there, and I'm sitting there with my bride and just enjoying each other's company, and all of a sudden on the radio, or whatever their stereo system, comes this old Leonard Skinner song. Now, that probably dates me. Uh, but maybe you're familiar with Leonard Skinner. And as I heard this song, men, instantly, I was no longer in Chili's. It's like I was, all of a sudden, I was daydreaming. And I was in Waco, Texas, somewhere outside of Baylor campus, on a sunny day, in my 1985 Ford Bronco, with the windows down, smoking Camel Light cigarettes, drinking can after can after can of beer, throwing them in the back seat, and having the time of my life. When I heard that song, that's instantly where my mind went. Now, guys, I've been sober for 11 years. I've been sober from alcohol for 11 years, and I hear one song, one little song, and I instantly forget the sting of sin and how much trouble and heartache and spiritual damage, broken fellowship that that sin of alcohol brought into my life just because I heard a song. And in that one song, I instantly forgot the goodness of God and the blessing of walking with Him. And 
The reason why I talk about that and the reason why I think that happens, and Jim, you can go over to slide number two now where it says why we forget God, is because there are three reasons that we forget God. Um, one is the world. The world lulls us into a spiritual slumber. The world is not concerned with spiritual things. The world is concerned with many things, none of which are spiritual. And so the world uh, distracts us from that which God would have us live for. It lulls us into a spiritual slumber. Now also within the wolf, that's the W-O, the world, there's also L, Lucifer. Lucifer lies to us and leads us astray. Satan whispers lies. He's the accuser. He tells us that there is life where there is not life, just like he did with Adam in the garden, and said, oh, did he say you shouldn't eat that? Or with Eve, you, you will not surely die. He lies, specifically he lies about sin with temptation. That's the L. And then the F of the wolf that gets us to forget God is the flesh. Um, within each one of us, our daily default setting is not things of the Spirit, it is rather things of the flesh until we abide with God. And so those things of the, of the flesh are the lusts for pleasure, measures, and treasures. Pleasures, those things that we lust after, that our flesh desires. Measures would be pride, how we measure ourselves up against one another with our status and our accomplishments. And then treasures, uh, the materialism, the greed, money, pleasures, measures, and treasures. So that is the wolf. Those things cause us to forget God. And that's why sitting in Chili's, I can hear a song, this Leonard Skinner song, uh, they call me the breeze. And instantly the world lulls me into a spiritual slumber. Lucifer whispers lies and says, weren't those the good old days? Wasn't it so much fun smoking cigarettes and drinking beer? You didn't have a care in the world. Your friends were so great back then. And then my flesh forgets God and starts thinking, man, wouldn't it be nice to have three or four or six or eight beers and just numb out all my worries, just forget all my stress and pain? We are spiritually forgetful, and the wolf causes us to forget. And I know I'm not the only one that suffers with forgetting God and the goodness of God. And that's why I want to talk to you, the mighty men in the making, about how songs can make us forget. But there is another song that can make us remember. And that song is the song we find in Psalm 103. And that song can make us remember. The antidote to forgetting God is remembering God by the song that is Psalm 103. And specifically in this, you're going to see uh, the character of God and the benefits of God. And it's important to think about who wrote this psalm. David wrote this psalm. And David, as we know, uh, there were many times when he remembered God and his goodness. You think about Psalm 23 and then uh, and even Psalm 103. But there's also times when he forgot the goodness of God. And specifically, you think about when he was, um, it says during the time when he fell, it says in the spring when kings go off to war, there was David sitting on top of his king's palace not doing what he should have been doing, which is fighting war on behalf of Israel. Instead, he's sitting on top of his palace, looking at his great kingdom. I mean, you can see world, Lucifer, in the flesh. So the world, he's looking at his material gain there, uh, looking out over his kingdom. Then I'm sure Lucifer lied and said to him, hey, this is your kingdom. And he looked down and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. 
And I'm sure Satan said, you know, that's that's one of your best friend's wives. There's Uriah's wife. You know, Uriah's off at war, and here you are. Couldn't you just take care of her? Why don't you just have her over for dinner? Why don't you check on her? Why don't you just see how she's doing? You know, just reach out to her. Do Uriah a favor. Why don't you reach out to her? And so he sends for her. And then, of course, there's the world, Lucifer, and then, of course, we know the rest of the story. His flesh takes over, and he sleeps with Bathsheba, impregnates her, murders Uriah after trying to deceive him, and then the baby dies. You see how the wolf causes great King David to forget God. And so later in his life, they think that this is later in his life, theologians, that he wrote Psalm 103 specifically um, because it deals with the understanding that God has done away with our sin, of which David was very familiar, um, having been a broken man. So now we uh, will flip over to pages or slides three and four, and this is Psalm 103. I'm going to read it to you now. You can read along, please, with me in your scripture. This is from the ESV Bible. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his way known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you whose angels, you mighty ones who do his word obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You can go over to the next slide, Jim. It says the numbers of Psalm 103. These are just some observations. You might call this the rule of proportions. If you see something in the Bible that is proportionately greater than something else, you can have a good idea that that is what the Holy Spirit wants us to see and to cling to. And so I want to talk about some of the things that are in great proportion in this. In Psalm 103, there are 22 verses. Now, out of those 22 verses, 21 benefits are named. 21 benefits of living under this sovereign, loving God. That's almost one benefit per verse. Out of 22 verses, 23 times... The word, the name, Lord, or a personal pronoun of God is mentioned. That means that for every verse plus one, 
God is listed. He is central to this psalm. God and his benefits. That is the message of this psalm. The Lord and his benefits. And you'll find two other numbers of Psalm 103. There are two commands. Bless, which the command bless is listed seven times, or praise. Uh, That is seven times. And then once, the only other command is forget not. Do not forget. So you have these two commands, bless and then don't forget. Every single command can be wrapped up in those two things from this psalm. Now, on the next slide, we're going to see some some of the uh, characteristics of God. Now, I want you to... First know that um, before I jump into this, I used to be in advertising. My career was in advertising uh, back when I was an alcoholic and trying to make a name for myself before I um, was called into ministry. And in advertising, many times for our clients, what we would study are the features of their product so that we could tell people what the benefit was to them. So we were working with companies like DuPont, 3M, Dell, and these companies were very technical, and so they would tell us all the benefits about the particular speed of something, the megahertz, uh, the, the different functions of the technology. When we were working with DuPont, they would tell us about the, the nano, uh, the nano, like tiny micron uh, length of something or the width, diameter of something. And that meant nothing to, to us or to the customer. They wanted to know about the benefit, and so they would tell us the characteristic or the character, they would tell us the feature, and then we would have to translate that into the benefit. And that's what we see here in Psalm 103. And so uh, there's a particular product that I buy that has this that has this um, particular characteristic. It has 19% aluminum zirconium tetrachlorohydrate. Now, do any of you buy a product? You might think, I'm, you know, what am I doing? Am I making homemade bombs or what am I doing buying something with 19% aluminum zirconium tetrachlorohydrate? You might think that I relapsed. Is that a drug? Like, what is it I'm using? Well, some of you may know, but what that is, that is the active ingredient that you find in the antiperspirant. So here's a public service announcement. If any of you have sweaty armpits, you can buy Arid Extra Dry. That is, that is what I have found to be the cheapest antiperspirant with the highest concentration of aluminum zirconium tetrachlorohydrate. Now, the reason why I tell you that is because that chemical compound, uh, when it reacts with your sweat, it forms a gel that plugs your sweat ducts and kills bacteria that keeps you from smelling like a stanky onion and ruining the armpits of all of your clothes. So the feature is that chemical compound, and then the benefit is you don't sweat and you don't stink. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to look at God's character, which would be the feature, and then on the next slide we're going to look at his benefit, because they all tie together. Who he, who he is is what he does, and those can't be divided. Because of who he is we then derive benefits from his character. So let's look at some of those character qualities. There are 13 mentioned. The Lord is, he calls himself the Lord. This is uh, Yahweh. It is um, a Hebrew term for I am. He is self-sufficient, all-existent, eternally existent. I am Yahweh. He is holy. He is perfect. That's holy. 
perfect, righteous. He is self-declaring. He doesn't hide himself. This isn't agnosticism where we say, well, there's got to be somebody, but we can't really be sure who he is. No, he is self-declaring. He has revealed who he is. He's working. It says that he rested on the seventh day, and every day since then, Jesus says, because my Father is always at work, so also am I. Why Jesus worked on the Sabbath. God has been at work ever since the seventh day which is crazy to think about all the millenniums every hour he has not rested since why what has he been working for to reconcile man his creation to himself it's incredible the amount of work that he has done on our behalf he's merciful he's gracious he is slow to anger steadfast love steadfast love is interesting i talk about the rule of proportion uh this is the only characteristic that is mentioned four times and interestingly The other only thing that is mentioned four times is sin. You see twice iniquity, once transgression, and once sin. So four times sin is mentioned, and four times steadfast love is mentioned. It is as if the Holy Spirit was saying, every time I will mention sin, I will mention steadfast love, and my love will cancel out sin, which is a theme of this psalm. You see in this, he tells us to call him Father. And we see that he is sympathetic, he is covenant-keeping, he is sovereign, and he is providential. Um, Which is just incredible as you looked at the character qualities of God. And then on the next slide, you see his benefits. And I'm going to read through these briefly. You guys can spend more time, you can push pause and spend more time on each of them. But he forgives our iniquity. He heals our diseases. Now... You think about all the diseases that he's healed over the course of my life. I've I've had a you know, uh, I've had skin cancers. I've had close to what has been colon cancer, which would have killed me if it was undetected. Um, various things. You think about all the different diseases that he heals those of in third world countries. But ultimately, we're all going to die. Nobody's getting out of here alive. And so, at some point, our diseases will catch up with us. That is not a prosperity prosperity gospel teaching that he will heal all of our diseases if we have enough faith. That is not the case. But ultimately, in Christ, all of our diseases will be healed. We will be given a new resurrection body, and he will heal all of our diseases. He will heal some in this life, and he will heal all in the next. He redeems our life from the pit. I know this full well. There was a time in my life when I was living on a couch holding a shotgun to my head because I wanted to die because of how I had squandered my life and I thought it wasn't worth living. But he did redeem my life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. He doesn't crown us with gold. Uh, Again, this is not a prosperity gospel teaching. He doesn't crown us with wealth. He crowns us with what reflects him. Steadfast love. That's the characteristic that was mentioned four times and with mercy. Now, why would he do that? Because we are his little ambassadors. We are like vassal kings appointed by a greater king to serve throughout his kingdom, reflecting him. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are his ambassadors. We are reconcilers of others to God. We go out and share the good news. And so as such, he has given us little crowns of steadfast love and mercy so that we can carry his message of steadfast love and mercy to the world on his behalf. He has given us that authority to speak the good news, the only good news this world has. He satisfies us with good. He renews our youth. Um, He did that for me when he redeemed my life from the pit. He works righteousness and justice. And he is anchored in history. 
benefit number nine. You see this in Moses. And I want to tell you guys about something. And maybe maybe uh, you guys could do this in between summit lessons for Mighty Men in the Making. There is a thing on YouTube called Mountain of Fire, the search for Mount Sinai. And men, I, I'll tell you, uh, you say anchored in history. Well, come on, show me some history of Moses. We don't have any archaeology of Moses. I would argue that we have more archaeology of Moses than almost any other biblical time period. And they have found it in Saudi Arabia in a very unlikely spot. Uh, It is an incredible documentary, and it will blow your mind what God has preserved that demonstrates what I think is actually the very place that Moses went up to Mount Sinai, received the tablets, mountain of fire, 12 pillars, the altar, uh, the amount of archaeology that's been preserved in this pagan Arab nation is incredible. Check it out. Uh, He does not always chide. He's not always angry. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. That's interesting because that's what Hinduism says. Hinduism is a uh, religion of karma. You do bad, you get bad. You do good, you get good. Uh, That's not Christianity. Christianity, you do bad, you get good uh, through Christ. And um, so this is not Hinduism. He distinguishes himself. The next one, he does not repay us according to our iniquities. That is Islam. That is the teaching of Islam, um, that he will repay according to iniquities, that he will repay according to the bad that you have done. Uh, That is a false, dead religion. Allah does not exist. Um, That is a teaching that is demonic. And so God says, I'm not like that. I don't repay according to your iniquities. In fact, the next one says, here's what I do. I remove transgressions. In only Christianity do you see the removal of sin. Everything else says you have to outdo your sin with works. He shows compassion. He remembers our frame. He remembers we're dust. Steadfast love, there it is four times. Righteousness to generations. Uh, establishes his throne in heaven, that's sovereign, and then kingdoms ruling over all. His kingdom rules over all, that's providential. And this is not to mention all the New Testament benefits that you have that are yours in Christ, such as being adopted in Christ, cleansed, forgiven, made a new creation, sealed with the Spirit, given gifts by the Holy Spirit, made part of the body of Christ, and that you have been given a purpose and good works that are to be done by God. On the next slide, you see the sin cycle. If you do not remember, if you forget God, this is the sin cycle you can expect to fall into. Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a part, he was a part of the uh, Russia whenever the Soviet Union and communism swept in and millions and millions of people died. And they asked Alexander Solzhenitsyn, what happened? How could this catastrophe, this uh, just slaughter of your people have happened. And he said simply this, men have forgotten God. If we forget God, men, evil will flood into our life on a micro personal level, and it will flood into this world on a macro global level. Now, to conclude, at the, at the rest of our, at the ending of our date night, another song came on, and I, I played that song in Summit. It was a song that I heard when I was going through Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, it played on the radio that night. It just so happened to play as we were driving home from our date. And it's like God reminded me. He said, hey, remember that Leonard Skinner song? And you thought beer drinking was so fun? Well, he put another song on the radio as we drove home. And it was the song that was playing when I was getting sober, when God was getting me sober. And it's like he reminded me. He bookended at our date and said, don't forget, John. Don't forget the freedom that I gave you. Don't forget that seizing of freedom when you were so thankful that you got set free from the slavery to sin. And don't forget Psalm 103. Don't forget the Lord your God. 
and all his benefits. God bless you, men. Do not forget the Lord your God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I love you guys. See ya.